0: welcome to the surge strength podcast powered by ritter sports performance this podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better reducing injuries and swimming faster let's join your host chris
1: ritter to the podcast everyone hope you're doing well hope you're Implementing some type of dry land, whether it's moving better, getting stronger, more athletic, whatever your goals are, I hope you're doing something right now. It's crazy. I was looking back at the calendar right before I did this, and it's almost five months to the day from the day that I'm recording this that all that shutdown started happening. The NCAA tournament got canceled, all of that. And I remember we did that number of weeks series on free dryland webinars and the thing i kept coming back to is you're not in control of a lot of things but you are in control of what you can accomplish when it comes to dryland even if you had no equipment during the shutdown when everyone was freaking out and now we're five months later they're not sure if they're going to have college football or sports who knows what's going on but that hasn't changed in that you can still control what you can control. Focus on that. Are you moving better? Are you increasing your mobility? Are you increasing your strength? Are you increasing your power? Whether or not you're back in the water, that doesn't matter. Focus on what's going to help you become better and try to block out all the other craziness where you're not sure what's going on. And frankly, you're not in control of a lot of that stuff, but you are in control of how you are training your body and are you moving it towards it being a better, faster swimmer that can move easier? Or are you staying still, which is really going backwards, not becoming as strong, not as powerful, not as mobile? So just think about that. And I think about all the teams and individuals that we've onboarded into surge strength programs in the last five months. It's been incredible. And to see their progress when they were completely out of water, now that they're back in the water, how the coach are saying, man, these kids are looking so good. So that's just encouraging to me. And whether or not you're interested in a program, feel free to check it out over at surge-strength.com. And then also too, just a few days ago, we posted a couple of new articles on SwimSwam. So if you haven't checked those out, one in particular was about the top goals that you should have when riding dryland workouts. I know a lot of coaches are maybe struggling now, okay, I've been written a lot of dryland workouts over Zoom and other virtual, and maybe you're in person writing them a little bit, maybe you're still sending them to the kids for them to do at home. I want to make sure you're following the best practices when it comes to writing the dryland workouts. So check it out on swimsam You can find all our articles on swimsam now by, from the homepage, going to the training menu, drop down, and then surge strength dryland training. That's where you'll find all the articles that we publish. And especially in the next couple months, we're going to try to be publishing a lot more on a regular basis because I really continue to beat the drum for dryland being so important. And I think we're seeing it with some of these amazing swims from these inner squad meets and other times swimmers are throwing out. It's because they're obviously having dryland as a component to their swimming. And it's just going to be a bigger and bigger gap as we get further into whatever type of season we're getting into a short course in terms of when we're gonna do competitions. But again, focus on what you can control and dry land is something you can control. Even with no equipment, you can become a better swimmer with that. So check out those articles and what we're gonna be doing for the Inside the Surge Strength Academy, which if you forgot, you can enroll for free. Just go to surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Dry Land. Academy for free, we're going to be going over the parameters for writing Dryland workouts. So it's a little bit from the article on swimside, but it goes even more in depth on that. And then for the Dryland talk, we're going back to it was almost a, a year or so ago, I visited the campus of University of Virginia swimming and diving programs there with Coach Todd DeSorbo, Tyler Fenwick, and the crew. And I was able to watch a couple of their lifting sessions as well. And they're just doing an awesome job. Again, who knows what competition is or isn't going to look like in the coming year. For instance, like swimming, you can always hope for the best. But again, you don't focus on what you can control. But June, their strength coach is just an awesome guy. He's doing great stuff with them. And so I sat down and did a quick interview with them. It's a little bit echoey because obviously I wasn't in my studio. I was there on site for this interview. And it was actually in a temporary gym that they had built in in uh, a couple of trailers. It was bigger than a trailer, but it was really impressive what they were able to do with just a temporary gym situation there. So again, focus on what you could control. Don't worry about, oh, this thing isn't perfect. They were doing these amazing workouts in temporary gyms when I was visiting there and getting really good work. So that's a quick overview for the show. Again, hope you're doing well and enjoy the rest of this episode inside desert strength academy parameters of workout construction is what I'm going to be covering in this lesson so when we're actually putting together pen to paper or you're typing it into your computer about what are we actually doing for this dryland workout for this dryland session you need to know what's the purpose what's the point what are we trying to do now That can kind of get overwhelming so i'm trying to narrow down these are the possibilities or the main purposes for a session it could obviously be working on one of the three main components in terms of strength power or endurance it could also be warm-up maybe we're just doing a quick dryland session before we jump in the pool or it could be a session maybe after a hard workout in the water where we're just working on function and mobility or it could be an unload phase where dryland really isn't the main thing and the pool is the main focus and it's really more of uh, an unload progression. We're going to get through that in the more phases, but an unload session is really just think about it as a, like a very easy body weight workout where the athletes are just going through. It's more of a, a flush out. And so, it's really going to be one of these. Now, it could be a combination. Let's say it's a 60-minute workout, so you're going to ha- obviously have a warm-up component to that probably, especially if you're not just coming from the water, and then maybe you go into a strength session. But overall, it's going to be one of these six reasons is why we're doing the session. So that's number one, identify what's the purpose of the session. Where are you? What are you trying to get out of it? The second thing that you need to identify, and this is critical that you kind of get these three major planning variables in places, how many athletes are you going to be dealing with? What's the amount of space that you have? And what type of equipment are you going to have available? I know sometimes as a coach, I've had this change on a regular basis where, you know, this group had this place to work out but now something changed with the schedule or something changed with the facility and all of a sudden we have to do that well that's changed your dryland workout as well so make sure you understand how many athletes you're working with what space do you have and what type of equipment so if you've already identified the purpose and you've identified this we've already cut a lot of the unknown out and now it's really kind of a plug and play when we get to actually creating the circuits and you can think about this very much like the main set that you may create for in the water. And to do that, you want to think about the movement categories. So make sure we're doing at least an exercise from each movement category, generally keeping them balanced. And we'll get even more in depth to that in the coming lessons, but also just understanding the length of the session. And so I'm going to show you just a couple kind of standard templates you could use for that. This is a quick review from some previous lessons, but the general rules to follow is one exercise for each movement category at least If you can alternate upper and lower body movements in it, that's also a bonus, but not necessarily required, but it's a good thing. You're gonna get a a little bit more of a a cardio effect from that. Um, Also, make sure you have priority to the power movements or total body movements or other exercises you might deem important. Again, if some swimmers are really weak on pull-ups and you wanna emphasize that, I would consider that an important movement for that athlete. Then, in general, when you're riding the workout, You want to start with some function, obviously some warm-up type things, whether that's mobility or dynamic warm-up, then the power exercises, priority exercises, total body, upper body, lower body, and brace exercises in terms of what are we giving our best energy to. Think about it that way. What's the most important? So power, we want to give the athlete be as fresh as possible when they go into something like a power exercise, especially if we're doing anything like Olympic lifting, whereas your brace, your core exercises, that can be at the end. It's not that big a deal if the athlete is severely fatigued by the time they get to that. Now, you want to try to avoid longer circuits as well. We've gone over this, but I feel the sweet spot for circuits is really that three to six exercise range. So obviously five is going to be one for each movement category. Six, you could be doubling up on one, whether that's the brace or the pull or the hinge, something like that. Now, to fill out and a circuit, you could really just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're just doing one exercise per movement, and that could look something like this. Here, we got our hinge, we got our push, squat, pull, and brace. And then it just depends, well, how many rounds are you doing? How much time do you have? And then that's gonna be dictated on how many athletes do you have? What's the space? What's the equipment? So you can see if you start from the top down of what is the point of this session, and then figuring out those three big variables of number of athletes, space and equipment, if you already have that down and in your mind, you know, okay, this is what I'm working with, it's going to be much easier by the time you get to actually picking the exercises or even determining, okay, well, how many sets are we going to be able to do? And so again, you can see here, I've alternate between upper and lower body as well as having one movement per category as well. And then also. I mean, ideally, every athlete is going to start at the hinge and then go down. And if that's possible, the hinge, that's probably that that deadlift. I would term that as probably the most important one technically and intensity wise. If I could, I might actually flip around the chin up and the push up. But what that also does, too, is because both those are kind of using the back muscles. similar. that also makes it a little bit harder, too. So if I'm looking at this, those are my two exercises. I'm thinking, OK, these are the most important in terms of The intensity and also the crossover to swimming as well. So that's just how I'm looking at that. But again, if I have to, I can start an athlete at the brace, the hinge, the push, the squat, the pull, I could start them at each of those places, and it's gonna be okay. It's not gonna be the biggest difference, but it's also how much of an ideal world are we working in versus this is the reality. If you got 40 athletes, you just gotta do what you gotta do. Whereas if you only have three, obviously, you probably can make it a little bit more specialized and, and figure out those finer details. But if I have a one hour dryland session, how I'm typically going to break it down is I'm going to allot 10 minutes for the warm up function part, 10 minutes for the function or warm down at the end. Now, obviously, you could nix either one of those depending on if you're just coming out of the water or just going into the water. But then in general, I'm thinking I'm going to have two 20 20-minute sessions in the middle where i could have two circuits and so again this is going to happen how many athletes do i have how many exercises are in each circuit that's going to then determine how many rounds can i actually get through so if we're going back to my example circuit here these five exercises let's say i'm taking 30 seconds in between each exercise so already we're at 30 seconds rest in between five exercises we're at two and a half minutes you want to say it's going to take at least a minute, um, I would probably say well, between 30 seconds and a minute to get to each exercise, do it, set up, break down and move on to the next one. So let's just call it that if we're at two and a half minutes, let's say five minutes, let's say eight minutes, so eight minutes to get through one round of this. So then if I'm thinking, OK, if for circuit one, I only have 20 minutes. I think it's safe to say I'm not going to get more than three rounds. Maybe I could get four if I'm really pushing it, if I maybe drop the rest a little bit, or if I know my athletes have done this routine before. I know that's one of the things, especially with the larger groups, I would always know the first time I do any circuit, I'm almost going to have to take the time it takes to go through one round to teach it to the athletes. So the first time I ever did a session with them with that particular circuit, I knew, okay, I'm only getting maybe one or two out of it and that's okay. But knowing that probably a few weeks in, I could probably sneak in three or four in the same amount of time because they know it already. So that's the other thing you're going to have to take into consideration too. But in general, I would just block off 20 minutes per circuit. And then you can kind of figure out, okay, based on the number of exercises, the the rest, if my athletes know these exercises are not that's gonna be how many rounds we're gonna get in. And that's still gonna allow you to be in the range that we're gonna talk about in terms of the strength, power, and endurance phases, what we should be doing for each of those. So that concludes how we're actually writing the workout construction for a Dryland Session. Dryland Talk. How did you become a strength coach collegiately working with swim teams is your background swimming what kind of how how did you kind of end up with swimming
2: so in college i was a rower and i had no strength coach we were a club sport and as most men's rowing teams are unless you're really good like the ivy League stuff mm-hmm. like that they don't have those uh, amenities i yeah. and i was very curious as to how i could get stronger i was a lightweight rower because my height is Challenged. I got into that. I, I interned for the strength department at SUNY Binghamton, mm-hmm. where I rode, and then from there I was looking at programs across the nation, and UVA just kind of popped up on my radar. And they had a GA spot open, so I came in. I came here to be a GA in 2014.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Worked a year, and then an assistant left. My supervisor at the time, who is my current supervisor, really liked what I was doing and thought I would be a good addition, and. I landed in my first full time spot at UBA. Awesome? Nah. I think the, the most important thing is going to practice. Mm-hmm. You gotta go to practice as a strength coach and observe movements that they're doing. Obviously, I, as, as a kid growing up, you watch the Olympics and swimming is always on prime time, so I was familiar with that. But specifically, I, I had to talk to the coaches, really mm-hmm. humble myself, and hey, coaches, I really don't know your sport. Just yeah. tell me what you want to see and what I can do better for you. Mm-hmm. So I think building that relationship with coaches and also going to practice and seeing those guys swim is instrumental. I think that uh, humility goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, strength coaches obviously have a lot to offer in terms of their profession. Yeah. When you look for a strength coach, I think that strength coach needs to, needs to have good foundations. Mm-hmm. They could have a lot, of, a lot of methods and have some fancy, shiny things here and there, but if you don't have the right principles in yeah. place and your philosophy, then you're not gonna do anything with that. Mm. So with club coaches looking for a strength coach, I think that's something that you would inquire about in terms of their philosophy and what they believe in. You know, the, the biggest thing I, I preach to my athletes is your people, to me first, and athletes second. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when you find a coach, you wanna make sure that person yeah. is a good fit. Mm. And you can mold a person, and one thing I go by is you can't teach work ethic. Mm-hmm. So that the person coming in, if they have good work ethic, they have a willingness to learn, mm-hmm. um, they can that strength coach can pretty much coach any team. Yeah, and what we do in the weight room is nothing special in mm. terms of uh, we have to do swimming specific movements or field hockey specific movements. Being an athlete in here is all that matters, mm. so we can further help you become a better swimmer. Building components of athleticism is most important. Mm. They do the sport specific things in practice, mm. I think that's what practice is for. Mm-hmm. Now, if we try to load that in here, then you're just beating a dead horse in my mm, opinion. Yeah. Can they hinge properly? Can they pull properly? Can they push properly? Squat properly? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's going to be more important in terms of developing the athlete. With the, the med ball throws that were in the start stance, that's mm-hmm. like that's like my way of helping the swimmers get some more buy-in. Like, yeah. oh, th- th- I think this helps <laughs> me. but I'm still getting that loaded jump as a right. contrast training. Right now we're in a power development phase, We're mm-hmm. going into championship season. So, I'm not really looking to get them. Getting them stronger is obviously always a goal, mm-hmm. but that is really a sub goal right now. And contrast training is a way to develop that power. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I, I would load them up on a heavy compound movement like a deadlift or a squat. Mm-hmm. Follow that up by a very explosive, light plyometric movement mm-hmm. uh, or a jump, or whether it be an upper body plyometric movement like mm-hmm. a reactive chest pass. Yeah. Uh, to prime those muscles and prepare them for faster activity in the pool. Physiologically, swimmers are not gonna be able to gain muscle that easily Mm -hmm. because of the aerobic component. Mm. Sprinters, you're gonna see some more muscle growth there, but I assume they want that in their sprinters. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I really would not worry, I'll tell them not to worry about getting too big. And if your strength coach is observant of your sport, he knows to program in certain sets and reps so that they don't get big. Todd is very gracious and when he first came here, he said, I just want my kids to get stronger. Mm. And you are a guy, so I trust you to do that. Mm. And that that makes my job easy. I think a lot of swim coaches, in in my experience, have a lot of circuit training in their workouts. Mm -hmm. It makes sense from their perspective, for sure. I feel like he's a track coach, in a way. (laughs) You know, he's June, I want heavy cleans, I want heavy deadlifts, I want heavy squats. Mm -hmm. And that's my personal bias. So Mm -hmm. it's very easy for me to put that in. And I I can really play around with different intensities and stuff like that to really achieve a good training stimulus. Mm -hmm. So working with Todd's been really easy in terms of that. He has a very high standard, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, that helps me grow more as a strength coach as well. Mm. And he's very open to asking my opinion on things. And he actually, Takes them, <laughs> which is very flattering. Um, so I really enjoy working with Todd. Yeah, so we usually get together um, several times during the year, mm-hmm. usually pre fall, like end of summer, mm-hmm. to kind of map out the the weeks leading up to the first dual meet, mm-hmm. which is a general pre- physical preparation cycle mm-hmm. um, for both on the pool and the weight. Yeah, build that capacity up for more strength work. Todd wants me to train them through. Most of the dual meets up through, up until through Georgia, okay. so I'm really just working on strength development there. Gotcha. Um, really, no power development there, really, um, so I can prepare them more for championship season. For more specifically, Todd has this whole pull up regime. Okay. That he likes to implement in the winter. Mm-hmm. So he tells me June they're going heavy on pull ups or high volume pull ups. Mm. So. I know not to overload that in here. So I, I change up from like a vertical pulling progression to a horizontal pull. So I'll load oh, okay. swimmers up on lots of horizontal pulling movements, such okay. as a seated row, one arm row, stuff like that. And a very common pull-up that anyone performs is lack of scapular engagement and mm-hmm. activation. It's a lot of forearm pulling, uh, a lot of stress to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I try to stress on here is activating those those muscles mm. for healthy movement. Yeah. Um, and, I, and uh, I'm not going to beat a dead horse in here. So I, I try to tell the swimmers, like, we're really going to work on your middle upper back strength mm-hmm. by using these movements, not just pulling, pulling on a pull-up bar all, yeah. all day. I think looking at the movement patterns of a certain athlete, mm-hmm. some athletes might not be good to do a pull-up. It might not be mm-hmm. beneficial to their joint integrity. Mm-hmm. If they're super... Rounded in the shoulders and they're not able to fully open up and engage. Yeah. I might want to address that before I load them on a pull up bar mm. um, and do some sing- single arm pulling movements. Gotcha. So, right now, um, in this three week cycle, I usually go by three or four week cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, power development was, was the main emphasis with one strength day to maintain or improve their strength and mm-hmm. two power development days. Now, this next cycle is going to be. Uh, mostly power days, Mm. Um, with high intensities but very low volume, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially with the sprinters where they have to be on a high level up here in the, uh-huh. C- in the cns gotcha um and so the volume really tapers off and and todd makes sure to tell me like these guys are coming in on this day for their last lift before accs mm-hmm. and then even after accs he wants them back in so we get back for ncaas i think you ask any swim strength coach yeah. and uh we're all trying to figure that out still <laughs> that, that double taper is an art that is i think uh difficult to perfect yeah. um especially when they pull out say a week and a half before ACC's, mm-hmm. and ACC's is a four-day four right. you know, obviously, and they come back and they're two, two and a half weeks out from lifting. Yeah, So I can't just pull them in and go 80% back squat so go. you know. So that first week and a half is really about building them back up, mm. only to taper them, taper them back down again. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't think i figured that out yet, but... So far last year it seems to have worked, okay. so we'll see how it goes this year. I consider whatever Todd does with those power racks, mm-hmm. with those uh, resisted movements, yeah. more similar to what we do in here than just say swim practice. Gotcha. So if I know they're doing a lot of power racks for a certain week, I may I may tone down like say power clean volume mm-hmm. because power cleans are very high on the CNS activation scale. Mm. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna load them heavy on back squats. I might do a single leg or uh, maybe some speed squats just yeah. keep going. Or I think an easy way to put is stress is stress, no matter how you put it. Mm. Uh, whether it be stress from practice, that's physical stress. Whether it be uh, lots of homework, that's just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> stress there. Or yeah. say a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Mm. Or their parents are being hard on them, and uh, the body reacts to that stress in many different ways. Whether it be on a hormonal level, whether it be on a physiological level. Mm. So I really try to take those factors into account there. And the CNS is. An easy way to, I think to describe that is mental and physical readiness mm-hmm. for physical activity. So I don't try to just pound their CNS every day by giving them highly neural movements mm. that require a lot of engagement, yeah. especially at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> going to give them heavy power cleans every day. It's going to yeah. be de- derivatives gotcha. like, like hand cleans or, or lighter, lighter pulls. We're just working on techniques
1: mm. stuff like that. Very
2: good. Uh, so we just started using Tendo units, which measure bar velocity. Okay. I would have logged them sooner, but we didn't have we did not have them until mm-hmm. this year, which mm-hmm. was nice. What they serve in here is is uh, dual. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it measures bar velocity. How, how how quickly are my athletes moving the bar? Yeah. Um, so how quickly are they pushing pushing a weight on their back? And then uh, I can measure um, how their power development is as as opposed to some other athlete. Mm-hmm. Second, I can also measure their readiness or CNS. If they're normally pushing, say, 28 meters per second mm-hmm. with, uh, with 66% of their maximum load and they're pushing, say, 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.6 that day, it's like, okay, this guy's a little burnt mm-hmm. out. It's like, guys, this 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 back. So I'm mm-hmm. able to give them active feedback on mm-hmm. what weight to do. I would tell club coaches or advise them to make sure their swimmers are adequate, if not very good at just basic say, human movements. Pushing, pulling, hinging, squatting, mm-hmm. hanging, um, and making sure the athlete is a well-rounded individual. If if an, athlete, if an athlete comes through the door and they know how to squat well, they know how to hinge well, they know how to pull well and push well, mm-hmm. that makes my job very easy in terms of developing, developing them further. Mm. I think swimmers, for the most part, that I've seen, they don't have much background in in that strength training mm-hmm. environment. So I usually start from ground zero, gotcha. uh, which is why first years when they come in here, they have a second program. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, swimming being a very quantitative sport, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get wrapped up in numbers. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can squat 225 yeah. or, or 300, mm-hmm. um, but how well are you moving the 225 or 300 mm-hmm. is more important to me. And uh, one thing I was stressing to the swimmers this week is, guys, if you're not hitting your target bar speed mm-hmm. at, your, at the weight that I gave you, it's okay to back it off. I'm I'm telling you to back it off Mm. uh, because I tell them not to chase the number, chase the quality of movement. Mm. And that's something I think that's uh, challenging for the average swimmer to wrap their heads around Mm -hmm. because I think society as as a whole is very quantitative. Hmm. And I think qualitative measures should be a very big factor in judging how an athlete is
0: you joined the surge strength academy yet it's now free to enroll in the surge strength academy and raise your dryland iq visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the surge strength academy the goal of surge strength is simple build better athletes to generate faster swimmers